Hey guys, thanks so much for joining us right here for the Active Church Podcast. We believe that you can tell a better story, and we are so glad you are engaging with our content today. You're about to hear from one of our incredible teaching pastors, and we hope that you'll be impacted by this message. Thanks again for being with us. So there's a little note about me that not many people know, and it's that I am a terrible test taker. Now I did good in school and in college, but when it came to tests, man, I could study and study and study. And then when I would sit down to take the test, it felt like all of the information just dripped out of my ear. Like it, it was not retained and I got really nervous and I didn't know the answer. And so anytime any teacher said, we're about to take a test or a test is coming, I would experience anxiety. And even now, I've been out of school for a while. It's like a trigger word for me. Taking a test is not fun and it's not a great thought. And I never want to take a test ever, ever again, especially when it comes to school. I'm just a terrible test taker. So I found it funny when I first started following Jesus, when I read the scriptures, how the writers of the scriptures and Jesus talked about tests and testing and test taking. They weren't talking about sitting down at a class or in a college, but they were talking about life. And it was interesting because I see testing as negative, but Jesus and the writers of the scriptures see it as actually a positive. They see it as life-giving because a test actually allows you to see clearly. A test allows you to see your heart clearly. And most importantly, a test allows you to see God clearly. In fact, in the scriptures, Jesus, his brother James and Paul and many of the other writers, when they talk about tests, they talk about it in the context of a test reveals what is true about us and what is true about God. A test reveals what's going on inside of us and a test reveals what's going on inside the heart of God and what he wants to do in us and around us. Like they see testing is really good, is really positive because in the kingdom of God, testing allows us to live in full view of God and not be ashamed. Meaning that when we face a test in life, it reveals the work that God has done in our life. And it also reveals the work that God is about to do in our life. It actually raises our awareness of our need for Jesus. And I think that's one of the reasons why we don't like going through testing in life. Because it does reveal the areas where we lack. But isn't it true that Jesus fills that gap? Isn't it true that in our weakness, God is strong? And so testing actually is not a bad thing at all. When it comes to the life of those who follow Jesus, it's actually a really good thing because it helps us to become more like Jesus. The writers of the scriptures actually call this sanctification. It's a really big religious word, but it's really, really powerful. Here's what it means. It's the continued work of God that brings redemption and transformation in you and through you. Like the work of God is accomplished. It's done. It's finished. And the sanctification process is us trusting in that work. Paul wrote about it in a letter called Philippians in the Bible, Philippians 1, 6, one of my favorite scriptures. In fact, it was one of the first scriptures I ever memorized as a little boy. Paul writes this, that God began a good work in you and he will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
when the writers of the scriptures talk about testing, when Jesus talks about testing, they talk about it in a positive way. That we are made aware of God's good work through the testing we face in our lives. It reveals to us what's really going on in us. What's really happening in our hearts and in our minds. And it allows us to know who we really trust. Now here's why this conversation is so important. Over the last few weeks at Active Church, we've been talking about how we build a better future for our family. And how we do this all together now. Like it doesn't just take you. It doesn't just take your spouse or your significant other. It doesn't just take your kids or maybe your mom or your dad. It takes all of us to build a better future. And the pathway into that better future is honor. Honor actually is the test of love in our families. How we love each other is expressed in how we will honor one another. And we've been talking about how honor looks in a marriage, in a romantic relationship, how honor looks from a parent to a child, from a child to a parent. How honor looks in our homes when it's the culture of our homes. If you missed any of those conversations, you can always go back on YouTube or on our podcast and you can get caught up. We've been talking about honor and how honor is the currency in the kingdom of God. And again, honor is the test of love in our families. Like, do we love each other? We're going to honor each other. And if there is no honor, then that test is a good test. It reveals to us that we need to love each other well by honoring each other, by giving and receiving honor. So we've been talking about what that looks like. And today, this conversation that I want to invite you into is my favorite conversation. It's actually probably one of the most incredible things that we get to do as followers of Jesus. The conversation we're going to talk about today is about honor and the opportunity that God has placed in front of us and the ability that he has placed in us to step into that opportunity is expressed in honor. Today, I want to invite you to honor God with your money, with your resource. I want to invite you to honor God with the resource that you have worked really hard for. And I want to invite you to use it to make people aware of the kingdom of God and the king of that kingdom, Jesus Christ. And we do this through the practice of generosity. And now hear me, generosity in the kingdom of God is not random. Generosity in the kingdom of God is intentional and it's thoughtful and it's planned out. There's actually a word for generosity in the kingdom of God. If you're a church person, you've heard this word. Even if you're not a church person, you've heard this word, I would assume, because it's a word that's used in our lexicon in the church often, and it's the word tithe. And the tithe is how we practice intentional generosity in the kingdom of God. And the tithe is the first 10% that we have, that we own, that we give back to God. And we get 10% from the word tithe because it's the Hebrew word for 10%. And in fact, here's the unique thing about that word and about that number. 10 in the scriptures is always connected to a test. It represents a testing of the heart or a testing of the mind or a testing of the life. Like if you go back to the Hebrew scriptures in the Old Testament, there's this true historical story of God rescuing and saving the slaves that were in Egypt, the Jewish people, rescuing and saving them from slavery, setting them free, walking across the Red Sea. Moses leads them out. And you'll read in that story that God actually tests the heart of the Pharaoh 
through 10 plagues. And each time a plague come, it was a consequence to Pharaoh in Egypt for refusing to honor God and honor God's people. Pharaoh hardened his heart. It was a testing of his heart to see what was really in there. Pharaoh could see clearly. And what he could clearly see was that he did not want to honor God. And he did not want to honor the people of God. The number 10 also shows up in the 10 commandments. The 10 commandments are directives or commandments for our life that honors God and honors the people of God. The people that God loves, which is everybody. And then there's this moment in the life of a man named Jacob where he faces testing. His father-in-law actually changes his wages on him 10 different times. And Jacob could have gotten upset. He could have gotten mad. And he realized this was a test of his heart to reveal what's really inside of his heart. And even though he was justified to be upset, he said to his father-in-law, you meant to harm me, but God is going to do a good work here. A test in the scriptures always reveals who's leading us, who's our priority, who's the king, who's the Lord of my life. And and the reason why we talk about honor and honoring God with our resources is not because we think it's one of the most important conversations, but it's because Jesus actually made it one of the most important conversations in the scriptures. You know that there are 500 scriptures on prayer how to talk with God, how to engage with God, how to have conversation, confess and repent to God. All of that is essential to our relationship with a personal heavenly father, right? You know, there are 500 scriptures on faith, like our confidence in God that he will promise to do what he promised to do. He will come through for us. Did you know that there are over 2,000 scriptures on money and resource and generosity and tithing? And the reason why there are so many in the scriptures is not because God is in desperate need of a handout. Like God don't need your money, right? God doesn't need anything from you, but he wants something for you. And so he asks for your heart. He asks for your trust. He asks for your life because your heart, your trust, your life is the greatest gift that you could give to God. And he knows that wherever your treasure goes, your heart will follow. And so when God has your heart, then your resource will go to giving and serving and benefiting those to open their eyes to the kingdom of God, those that are suffering and broken, to open their eyes to the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. And listen, we can give some hope or we can give partial hope, but when we give God our full heart, he has our full attention. He's got the priority of our life and our story. You ever find it funny that we trust God with our pain and our sin and our shame, which we should, by the way, because he's the only one that can redeem, renew and restore. He's the only one that can forgive and set free. He is the one who holds the keys to heaven and life and life after this life. We should trust God with our pain and our sin and our shame. But isn't it interesting that we find ways to get around trusting God with our money? I'm gonna give God the most broken, embarrassing parts of me. But when it comes to my resource, I got this, right? But what Jesus is very clear about, what the writers of the scriptures are very clear about is that when we honor God with everything, 
We honor God and our resource by giving of a tithe. And I know that there are a lot of reasons why many of us don't give. Maybe you might fall in one of these categories. The first reason is because you don't give because it's just a personal preference, right? Like you want to be generous and you probably are generous. But isn't it true that a lot of us want to be generous when we choose to be generous? Like we'll do good when we're in the mood, when our hearts get stirred, when tears come from our eyes, then then we'll give. When the waitress is down on her luck, we'll give a great tip, right? Because we want to be generous when we want to be generous. But that is not the invitation of Jesus. When it comes to our life and following Jesus and everything, we don't get to decide when we're going to follow. Jesus invites us to follow and we say yes to him fully, especially in our resource. Tithing actually prioritizes God by putting him first. Because God put you first. He put us first. Because our Heavenly Father sent Jesus. For God so loved you and me and the world that he sent Jesus what was most precious to him. He gave that up. Not just sacrificed, but sowed a seed, like planted, was intentional, was generous because he knew what it would bring to you and what it would bring to me. Or maybe your excuse for not giving is you've convinced yourself that you just can't afford to give. But here's what I want you to know about tithing. And we'll talk about this in just a few minutes. But tithing is about first things, not last things. Tithing isn't the last thing that you think about. It's the first thing that you think about because Jesus is Lord of your life when you're a follower of Jesus. When when you're prioritizing generosity, you've, you've thought about it beforehand. It's a part of your budget. It's the thing that you do. Mature followers of Jesus, they don't need a really good story to stir them up to give. Mature followers of Jesus love the story that comes from their generosity, whether they know the name of the person or not. And that has happened over and over and over again at Active Church. You you may believe that you can't afford to tithe, And the reason why you believe that is because you haven't thought about it first. You've thought about it last. Or maybe an excuse that you have for not practicing the tithe or being generous is that you have a lack of trust in the organizational church. Truthfully, I'm with you. And I'm a professional Christian. (laughs) Like this is what I do, right? But the narrative of the larger church, especially in the U.S., but even across the world, has not been a narrative of trust and integrity and character. It's been a narrative of guilt and shame and condemnation, right? We've seen pastor after pastor fail or fall. We've seen pastor after pastor literally use resource to maybe pad a bank account or to buy a jet, right? And so then that gives us an excuse to not give to the kingdom of God through the expression of the local church. And here's what I would tell you. You're right. Because there are some contexts where inappropriate, dishonorable things happen. What I also know is that I I can't control those contexts and neither can you. But what I can control is what I do. What we can control is what we do together. When we talk about tithing and giving at Active Church, we're not talking about some people who do that. We're talking about everybody who participates in this 100% participation. All of us moving forward together because we believe In Jesus, what better thing to fund? What better thing to give our resource to? What what better thing 
to do to honor God and honor the people around us that God loves. We can control what we do as a church, what we do in our city, what we do in our families, what we do in our communities, what we do in this building that I'm standing in right now. It's why we prioritize providing hope at Active Church. You know that as a church, we give a tithe, that all the resources that come into you active, we give away over 10% of those resources. One expression is through the dollar club. <laughs> Many of you have given to the dollar club. And, and that hasn't been a burden on you at all because it's just one more dollar, right? And you've seen the stories. Homes burnt down and we gave $10,000. A few years ago, the Best Buddies program at the local high school, we gave them $10,000. A family who had their van stolen and stripped, we gave them resource to restart and rebuild and buy a new car. A family who lost someone precious to them, we gave them a gift to take a vacation, but we also gave a gift to the organization that really served their family well. You and I did that. We, we gave a tithe. We impacted our city. We impacted families. We impacted lives. And I've shared this with you before. But in case you missed it, let me remind you that when there are things that happen in our city, one of the very first phone calls that is made is to Active Church. It's to me. It's to Pastor Joe. It's to our team. Hey, Active, what, what are we going to do? Is the question that we receive often. Because you and I have proven that we're not going to hoard we're going to open our hearts and connect them to our hands. This is what you've done, friends. This is what the tithe does. It's why we can't tip. It's why we should tithe. Tipping is, oh man, that was a really good message or a really good worship service or I really like active. And so let me, let me drop a few bucks in, in the box in the lobby or maybe give a text message of about $5. Listen, all of that resource goes to change the world. It goes to invest in the kingdom of God and to love people. But Jesus doesn't invite us to tip. He invites us to tithe. And maybe, and I'm going to go there just so that we can have this conversation. If you think that maybe one of us on the team at Active that is paid, that is part of the staff, if you think that we're in this to maybe pad our bank account, I just want you to know that I work with some of the most godly people I serve with some of the most godly people. They have great integrity. And, and these men and women that I serve with, that I get to do this with, that you get to do this with, they are in this to win this. They are in this to build the kingdom of God and tell the story of Jesus. And if they wanted to pad their bank account, they are far too gifted and way too talented to stay here. They should go and do the other things that they are gifted and talented in doing but they don't because they've decided and have chosen to be here because God has brought them here and they believe in what we're doing. By the way, each of them, our staff, our elders, they all give, they all tithe. They believe in it so much. And so if you have a reason or an excuse, I, I hear you, but I think that Jesus and his voice and his command and his directive is much louder than my reasons and my excuses because I want to follow him. I want to honor him in my resource. And so I want to take you to a couple of scriptures written by the prophet Malachi that speak directly to this opportunity to give that's in front of us. It's at the end of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, and he shares some really powerful words about what it looks like to honor God 
with our resource. And so I'd love for you to follow along. If you're watching this, verses will be on the screen. If you're listening to this, I'll read the verses. But if you have access to a Bible or the Bible app on your phone, I would invite you to follow along. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Here's what he writes. And he's speaking on behalf of God. Like that's a privilege, by the way. He gets to speak to God's people on behalf of God. He says this. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. And see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. There's that word testing. (laughs) Not a favorite word of mine, right? But in the scriptures, we learn that it actually reveals things. And what God is doing here in the test is he's actually not testing you or me. He says, test me in this. God says, test me and what I will do. In other words, God's like, I want to show you what I'm really all about. You want to see my heart? Test me in this. Bring the tithe. Bring the first 10%. For the Jewish people, it would, bring, it would be bring the first fruits. Because many of them were farmers. They were gardeners working in the fields. And so instead of having resource, they would have fruit. Some would have animals. And they would bring the best. They would bring the first 10% to the storehouse, to the temple, to their church. And God says, test me. Prove me right. Watch what I'll do. Like bring this and watch what happens. This is the only time that God actually invites us to test him. Because I think he knows that when it comes to our resource, that's a big test, right? Because we love our resource maybe more than we love other things. Because we've worked really hard for it, and rightly so. And we want to spend it on things that maybe bring us joy. God says, test me in this, and you will experience something that you have never experienced before. You will experience the floodgates of heaven. And you will also experience how God will stir your heart for more of him when you give. Because your generosity reveals who has the priority of your heart. Now, when God speaks about the floodgates, he actually gives a really tangible example to the first audience. Listen to what he says to the Israelites. He says, I will prevent pests from devouring your crops and vines in your fields will not drop fruit before it is ripe. And then just in case you were wondering who was speaking here, Malachi writes, says the Lord Almighty, the creator of all of those things, he is going to make sure that those things blossom and bloom to the greatest benefit of you. And then he says in verse 12, then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. Like what God is saying here is I'm gonna take your generosity, I'm gonna take your tithe and I'm actually going to use it to one, bless the nations. I'm going to use it to care for those who are in need. And that's what we do as a church. We look for needs. We provide hope in those needs. But not only that, God says, but I'm gonna promise to take care of you. Jesus even speaks about this in Matthew's letter. He says, seek first God's kingdom and all these things will be added unto you as well. It's, it's, it's Jesus going, I got you. I know that that's hard to believe sometimes because life gets hard and heavy, but I got you. 
And a part of the way that you know that I got you is you practice the tithe. Now, I know that we have a really difficult time with these words. I think often we don't do what Jesus is inviting us to do. And the doing is what matters. That's why it's called following Jesus, right? And so maybe, maybe instead of actually just talking to you about it, maybe I could show you maybe a piece, a slice, a small picture of what God is saying here, of what the floodgates actually look like when God invites us to give a tithe. So if you can give me a second, I'm going to grab some friends. We're going to get set up and I got something to show you. So hang with me. Okay, I got some friends. They're going to help me out. And before we get started, I just want you to imagine in your mind that this is God's table and this is your table. And he invites us to give him the first things, not the last things. The word he uses in the scriptures is the first fruit. So I asked some of our boys, you know these guys, to bring me some fruit. So Casey, can you start us? Casey, what do you got? You have oranges. Ah, these are good. Freshly squeezed maybe for, you know, morning for OJ. So I'm going to put one of these on God's table. Casey is aligning those on your table. James, what do you have for me? James has a pear. I don't like pears. Anybody like pears? You like pears? I like pears. You like pears? I'm going to put the pear here. So one on God's table and nine pears on your table with nine oranges. Joe, what do you have for me? Joe, Joe has melons. Awesome. So one melon for God's table because it's the first fruits and God asked to give a tithe. It's the first 10%. Joe's going to put nine more on this table. So let's make sure that we don't damage our fruit. All right. So Casey, do you have another fruit for me? Oh, you have a, oh yeah, you have a pineapple. Pineapple is like a weapon. Like you could use it to fight somebody, right? So I'm going to put a pineapple, one on God's table. Casey's going to put nine on this table. Uh, you're going to need to hustle it up, all right? Just hustle. Can you, can you hustle? Can you, I like telling them what to do. It's a whole lot of fun. So, all right. So here's, remember, your table. This is, oh, what, is, what are these? Ooh, melons or these are mangoes. Ooh, mangoes. They're great. So I'm going to put a mango on God's table and James is going to put nine mangoes on your table. So remember, God's table your table, you're still working on the pineapple, Joe? Yeah, yeah. Still, still. Uh, and so you, here's your table, or right here, right? And this is God's table. He wants the first fruits, the first 10%. What do you got? Bananas? Bananas? Anybody ever use this to like talk on the phone? Um, all right. So I'm going to put that on God's table. And then here's, here's your table and God's table. When he invites us to give and practice the tithe, oh, you got a cantaloupe? He invites us to give him the first fruits. So here's the first fruit here, the, the first of of 10 and, and we, we, lost, we lost one. Um, and man, this is really getting full over here, isn't it guys? We might need to, um, oh, you have, oh, okay. Um, okay, I can, I can fit this on God's table, but can you fit that on our table? Um, why, don't we, why don't we put it under? Okay. Let's put it, uh, so just so you're, you're in frame here, just so you kind of have like an idea of what's happening here. Like this is your table and it's gonna have to go underneath. And, and then this is, this is God's table. This is your table. Um, when, when God says that you give the tithe, here's what it looks like. You give him the first fruits and then he lets you have the rest. When he says, uh, that's, that's dangerous probably right there. You think? Going to work? Look at that. Oh man. Um, maybe the rest go underneath. <laughs> when he says give, give the first fruits, here's what he means. You give him the first, you keep the rest. When he says that the floodgates will open, Look at your, you guys have more? Yeah. We have, 
We have more? We have a, we have a lemon? All right, so we're going to put one lemon on, our, on, on God's table, and I'm going to put one green apple on God's table, and they're going to put nine lemons on your table. <laughs> and isn't, isn't this remarkable? Like, we think that we can't afford to practice the tithe. But I want to just reset the conversation so that we're all on the same page. This is God's table. This is your table. When God says, I will open up the floodgates, this is what he means. And you can't even see the mess that's underneath here. Like the watermelon didn't even make it on the table completely. Neither did the mangoes or the lemons. The first fruits, the first 10%, the first things goes on God's table. This is it. And then this is your table. Now here's, here's the most remarkable thing. Do you know that 75% to 90% of people who attend church actually don't give at all? Like they don't even participate in this? And this is the promise of God? Do you know that we as people, if we all gave, if everybody who attended church, if we all gave, do you know that we would have a surplus of $175 billion to provide hope in the world? And this isn't just active church, this is all church. Do you know that that means that everybody who is hungry would have a meal three times a day? Everybody who is thirsty would get clean water? This is God's table, and this is your table. I have a great cameraman. His, his name is Larry, and he helps us out. Larry, could you grab my notes? Because I want to wrap this up, and I want you to hear the rest of the story of what God invites us. Thank you, Larry. You're a good man. We'll keep you. What I, what I love about this conversation is that we actually get to see the impact of our generosity. Heaven's gates are overflowing on us when we're obedient to what God has called us to do. Tithing is how you and I honor God with our money. Now, I want to be very clear about something before we move on. Your giving doesn't determine your eternity. Where you spend eternity, especially if you know Jesus, you're in eternity with heaven, with God. Your giving has nothing to do with that. Jesus has taken care of that on the cross and through the resurrection. Your giving doesn't determine your eternity. But friends, it may determine the eternity of someone you love. Because you gave, you created a space. Because you gave, you provided a chair in a room. Because you gave, you can watch or listen to this online or on the podcast. Because you gave, there is a child right now in active kids eating goldfish for free. Maybe it's your kid. Because you gave... We can sit in an air-conditioned room. But even more than that, because you gave, someone who needed hope just a week ago because of addiction found their way to active recovery and it was for free and they got free help and they're beginning to tell a better story. Because you gave, we have a place and a space for people to get baptized, to find and follow Jesus. Because you gave. I had a couple just two weeks ago tell me that they have been inspired by the love of active church and they want to renew their vows. They want to reconcile their relationship because you gave. These are the stories that are being told. The floodgates aren't just for you. They are for those around you. And what you'll find when you practice the tithe is that you'll notice that God has overwhelmed you 
And you'll begin to take what God has placed on your table and you'll begin to move it over to his table because you know that God is gonna continue to take care of you. Jesus promises that. God's table, your table. God invites you to practice the tithe. And listen, I know, I know this could be hard, but don't we do hard things as followers of Jesus? Don't we do hard things because hard things bring about hope? And often when we face hard things, we can do one of two things. We can either change our behavior or we can change our beliefs. Changing our beliefs would say, maybe he didn't really mean like the first things. Maybe it's just a, an occasional gift. But changing our behavior means that we're going to honor God in every possible way, especially in our resource. Which is why today I want to invite you to practice the tithe. I want to invite you to actually practice the tithe and take the tithe challenge. For the next three months, I want to invite you to give 10% of your resources to the local church, to active church. I want to invite you to connect your heart to your hand. You can do this in one of three ways. When you show up, you can drop off your gift in a box in the lobby, whether it's a check or cash. You can text the amount to active or you can go to our website. All of that information is in the description for this message. I wanna invite you to take the tithe challenge and my commitment to you is I will journey with you over the next three months to hear your story, to tell you what you're doing to tell better stories. But today is the day to acknowledge that God has overwhelmed us and that God has invited us to honor him. And so friends, I wanna invite you to practice the tithe starting now, starting today. And by the way, if you think that there's some ulterior motive, if that's still something that you struggle deeply within your soul about, then I wanna invite you to practice the tithe, but give to a different church. If you think that there's some ulterior motive because of what I'm saying to you, like I'm trying to benefit or our team's trying to benefit, I want you to give to a different church because I want you to practice the tithe to experience this. But of course, when you and I decide to connect our heart to our hand and do that through the expression of active church, better stories are possible. Better stories are attractive. Better stories are irresistible. What I've loved about serving at active for the last 20 years, the last five years as a lead pastor is I've been able to build some great friendships with some really great people that are at active and those that are watching active and have decided to invest in us. One of those people is Pastor Lee Cope. He's on our teaching team. He's a mentor for our team. And when I told him that we were participating in this, he got really excited and he wanted to encourage you. And so as we finish our time today, I want to direct your attention to the words of Pastor Lee. Lee, take it away. Hey, Active Church, this is Lee. And as we wrap up the message today, I just wanted to come and give you a word of encouragement. I love what is happening at Active Church and having been able to be a part. Just a few weeks ago, I was able to be with Mike and the team as they planned for five years and created a target for the impact of Active, a three-year picture, and a one-year plan to best reach your community and the communities beyond. Here's the deal. I want you guys to understand that the heart of Active is really contagious. And the fact that we can resource with our finances and our time, but specifically our finances, is really key to the expansion of what God wants to do through Active. Let me be candid. I get to work with churches around the country and work in my own context. And it's not every day that I see church 
I see a church like Active who is aggressively understanding their community and doing what they can do to see the gospel change lives. Listen, sometimes we think about finances as an obligation, and it is. Sometimes we think of finances and giving and tithing as an obedience issue, and it is. But today I want you to know that being part of Active, your financial giving is an opportunity. Listen, Jesus wants to use us. He wants that part of our lives, our financial stewardship to be a part of our heart and our heart posture towards him. So I just want to encourage you today, as you continue to tell better stories, as you continue to reach your community, and as there is a dream and a vision for what's coming next, to be open to what God wants to do, to take a risk, to take a step of faith, and to open up the stewardship of your finances to what God wants to do through all of us as we give faithfully to Active Church. I love being a part. I look forward to being with you soon, but I love watching what God is doing. Let's give generously. We hope you enjoy the Active Church podcast. If you want to know more about Active Church, you can follow us on our social media platforms at Active Churches. Don't forget to subscribe as well to stay connected to future podcasts. And if you are a local, we would love for you to experience the room with us. Sunday services are 9 a.m. and 10.45 a.m. in Ukaipa. See you next time.